The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. We end the first week of COP27, which oddly, this is becoming a recurring theme every year. We say this one being the most important, but this one is, of course, the most important because the climate crisis continues largely unabated and the pressure, one would hope, is increasing on governments to do something. We're joined by Caroline O'Doherty, who is Environment Correspondent at the Irish Independent. But before that, Omar Ibrahim, who is an Industrial PhD Research Fellow and Engineering, uh, Energy Engineering University of College UCC student, is with us. And uh, Omar, I'm right in saying you're from Egypt originally, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Hi, hi. That's right. So you're back in your home country for COP27. Exactly, yeah. It feels a bit different, but yeah. And I flew back home for attending COP. Is this your first COP? It is. What have you found it to be like? What have your what what's your takeaway from the first week? Uh, I think like if I'm wrapping it in just one word, it, it's very overwhelming. <laughs> really overwhelming. It started with the summit leaders and like being in the same hall with pretty much all the government's leaders um was very overwhelming. Do you get the sense that it is rooted in a real desire to make change or is it to some extent a window dressing exercise? Okay, fair question. Um, I mean, uh, I was following for sure the cops, like it's just my first time attending in person. But I can see like there is a bit of a different tune, uh, if that counts. Uh, I mean, but as you as you all noticed, like the slogan is together for implementation. So it's it's sold as like an implementation cop. And uh, that was like my, my very first impression first days and that's quite different. Uh, I confirm after having one full year of uh, of different thematic days. So yes, I think it's I think it's different this year. And what about the capacity to get consensus? Because if we take your own area of study, for instance, you're you're particularly focused in the area of hydrogen. Hydrogen is one of those things that is being seen as a potential silver bullet solution to a lot of the things to do with the energy crisis. But at the same time, other people will say, well, it's lithium ion batteries. Other people will say that it's solar power. Other people will say that it's wind. Other people say that it's pumped storage. And it depends on where you are geographically around the world as to which ones take priority. How in that context do you get a consensus among so many with so many competing options and pressures? Do you get a sense that that can be achieved? Well, actually, it, uh, it's a very tricky question. Um, there's no one uh, solution that, like, there's no solution that would decarbonize or, like, would be a climate mitigation tool uh, for everything and and every part of the world. Uh, as you as you just mentioned, like, there are different solutions. However, it really depends on the application. I mean, for example, hydrogen is not meant to be. Every, for everything, for example, it, it's not sustainable to have your home heated with hydrogen. That's that's very inefficient. So hydrogen is meant to be decarbonizing those things that are not able to be de- de- electrified. For example, hard to abate like um, electric trucks. Uh, ele- sorry, um, heavy trucks, aviation. Uh, so that, that's that's a very fir- a very first point that I wanted to clarify about how it's not just one solution, but also um, speaking of hydrogen. Hydrogen, um, I mean, I totally believe in hydrogen that I'm dedicating my PhD all around hydrogen. However, um, I can see uh, some different conversations of um, having mostly all European countries um, in, um, importing hydrogen from Saudi Arabia, for example, or like the Middle East. Uh, okay, it's, it's, it's perfectly fair that you be utilizing um, something like the solar energy that you, you don't get much in Europe. However, uh, this brings us to a very, very main question, like, is this a fully decarbonized 
I'm However, just going to cut in, the, in there time. because the, the line is, is very bad there. So we'll actually, uh, we'll, we'll pause it there. My apologies. That's Omar Ibrahim, who's Industrial PhD Research Fellow and Energy uh, Engineering uh, student at the University uh, University College Cork. And again, apologies there about the line breaking up from COP27. We're joined as well by Caroline O'Doherty, who's Environment Correspondent at the Irish Independent. Caroline, we've just heard um, Joe Biden calling effectively for real action from the world's leaders in respect to climate change. Do you think that that is going to have a significant catalytic effect on COP27? Uh, no. Uh, it's not the first time he's called for it. It's welcome that he's still on message, if you like. But his speech was actually quite flat yesterday. He looked tired, as he might well be. He's just come through the midterms. He's come through a midterm elections there. He's come through pushing through what is, by American standards, a fairly revolutionary climate action act, although they can't call it that. They call it the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, but no, even even his speech was even lacking in rhetoric. So it was it was a bit flat. Um, so he wasn't. He didn't really do a star turn yesterday. Um, so that's not where you know a catalyst is going to come from. We've had strong words before. We had, this event opened with really strong words from someone who is relentless in giving strong words and demonstrations, and that's Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the United Nations. So more than that, the only catalyst will be dates, agreements, solid action, solid movement on finance, that people can actually say, well, you've done more than agree that we'll have uh, more agreement by next year. And do you so get a sense that any of that is likely? Do you get a sense that that is the mood and the atmosphere, that there's a desire for real concrete outcomes? Well, I just coming in here, there's a small protest outside uh, the Pan-African Justice Alliance, and I think there are about 12 different African countries represented here. You know, and we asked them, because this is the midway point, is that how, how's the week been? What is, what's your impressions? They just said disappointed. So no, I mean, that the issue of financing is very complicated because if you want countries to transform, both northern and global and southern countries, clean energy, clean transport, and no fossil fuels, all of that, it takes a lot of finance. Well, on that topic, Caroline, just briefly to to conclude, you mentioned fossil fuels. There's been reports of a significant significant increase in the presence of fossil fuel lobbyists at this year's COP. That that doesn't bode well, does it? No, I mean, there's always a presence. You can get the list of registered participants and you add them all up. And so there's always presence. It is slightly surprising that there's more this year, but then we are closer to the Middle East, you know, and obviously major oil producing areas, oil and gas. You know, there is an argument that you can't do this changes without them because they're the industries causing the problems. But, you know, depending on how you look at it, they're either here eager for change or they're here to obstruct change. You know, we don't get behind the closed of the closed doors to hear exactly what they're saying or how much access they're getting, but they are getting access to the politicians and the, and the potential change makers. And I think without the transparency of what they're saying, you have to be suspicious. Caroline, thank you very much for joining us this morning. That is Caroline O'Doherty, Environment Correspondent at the Irish Independent, joining us there from the COP27 uh, Summit. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.